Uh, when we were building our house, uh, which was just a few years ago, uh, I had a contractor that knew I was a pastor, and uh, he had watched us online a few times, and I went by there one day to check on what was going on with our house, and, and so one of the contractors that we had gotten pretty friendly with, he asked me this question. He said, have you ever had a real job? And that day we were poor in the foundation. He's never been heard from again. I mean, no. <laughs> that just came to me. That wasn't even in my notes, all right? And, uh, um, and he asked me the question, and I could feel my defenses going up because I was like, if only you knew. And, and so here's what I said to him. I said, well, yes, I used to have a full-time job working as Superman. And I said, but I had to give that up to do ministry because Superman never mastered being everywhere all the time. And Superman couldn't take a day off. And even if Superman never took a day off and never went on vacation, he still could not take care of all the people who had all the demands of his attention. And I poured it on more. I said, sure, he could fly faster than a speeding bullet, which, which would help him go house to house and visit everybody in the congregation. But it's still not enough time in a day to confront every crisis, to put out every fire, and to do all that he needed to do, not to mention the admin work, the paperwork, convene every meeting, make sure the church is unlocked and locked, and do all the premarital counseling and all the other counseling, and do weddings and funerals, and put out fires, just to name a few things. Can you tell I was being a little defensive? <laughs> I said not to mention to have a compelling, well-studied-out message to present every single Sunday, and while Superman can save people from a villain, he can't rescue anybody from hell through the preaching of God's word because he's so busy proving that he's Superman. I didn't really say that, but I thought it. Well, I did kind of say it. I, I wasn't that quick on my feet. The next day, I thought, this is, in fact, that night in bed, I told him off a few times in my mind. <laughs> How many have ever done this? Come on, be honest. I need some help today. Like, oh, what I should have said was, and take another thing, right? And the reality is, though, that Superman can't do this job. But neither can I. It takes a village, doesn't it? Come on, it takes every one of us. And, and being a pastor, I'm talking about being on the job. And my job is being a pastor. And being a pastor, it's very re rewarding. I mean, I love it. And it's extremely challenging. And it has the highest of highs and sometimes the lowest of lows. And, and, and the problem is, is that when I have issues, I don't have anybody in the church that I can talk to about my issues because you are my issues. <laughs> One of the things I love about the job that I get is I love seeing life transformation. I love seeing people that were far away from God make steps towards God and then get healed and their minds get healed and marriages get healed and addictions get left behind. I love that. And one of the things that I honestly do all the time and I love doing is I pray for you. Uh, Tim gets up here or somebody usually gets up here and says, there will be people praying for you at the cross, and we pray for you all week, but I pray for you. Now, I don't know everybody in here by name, and, and, and I try to keep the name straight, and I don't always pray for you by name. 
But I can tell you every week as I'm preparing for Sunday, I'll stop and I'll pray. And I pray those four things over your life all the time. I pray that when you show up here, you'll know God. Even if you've been saved for 50 years, I pray you'll know God more. I pray that you will continue to find freedom because last time I checked, none of us got it all together yet. That was your place to admit amen right there. Yeah, you were laughing at me a minute ago, but come on now, right? Like, like we, we still need freedom. We, we still have some areas we need healing and to break free. Am I right about this, right? I, I pray that you would discover purpose because there's nothing greater than to understand why God made you and how God made you. I pray that you would get to be a part of making a difference. And, and, and I pray that over you. And, and while there's people at the cross that will pray for you and there's prayer cards every once in a while in the foyer or somebody will catch me somewhere and say, hey, Pastor Kim, would you pray for me? And I love those little moments that we get, those little 30-second prayers in between greeting that we get to pray. But one of the frustrating things about my job is some of the prayer requests that I get. Can you only imagine? Let me tell you one real quick, all right? Can I tell the one? Let me just tell one. How about two? Can I tell two? Well, what if I promise it's not anybody in the room? Would you be okay with it then? On our grand opening Sunday, I was preaching and I was talking about we all have spiritual gifts. It was our grand opening Sunday. And, and at the end of that service, a lady caught me at the back and I had mentioned coming to Next Steps for the new year. And she said, oh, I'd love to come to Next Steps. She said, but I already know what my spiritual gifts are. I said, well, that's wonderful. We need people like you. I said, what is your spiritual gift? And she said to me that her spiritual gift was the ability to communicate with animals. Yeah. See, some of you don't know that's not a spiritual gift. That is not biblical, everybody, all right? I know you've seen Disney, All Dogs Go to Heaven and Lion King, but that is not a spiritual gift. And she said, when is that next steps again? I said, it's the seventh Sunday of the month. We would love for you to be there. The reason I said that is because following her telling me that her spiritual gift was the ability to speak for animals, she asked me if I would take the time to pray for her cat. Now, this is the frustrating part of my job. Because I'm thinking, man, there's addictions, there's orphans, there's homeless, and there's Foo-Foo the cat. What am I going to spend my time praying with? Now, I don't know. Is there any cat lovers in the room? Okay, I'm sorry. You're going to be mad at me in just a minute. But I'm thinking in my mind with a smile, I'm not praying for your cat. I just feel like there's too many other things going on. Now, if you have a dog, I might pray for your dog. But I don't. Just kidding. Just seeing if you're awake. Just seeing if you're awake today. Just seeing if you're awake. But it is some of the crazy things that we have to deal with. And in our series, Confronting Conflict, here's the question. What do you do? with confrontation when it's on the, in the workplace. It's one thing when confrontation is with people that you're married to, people that you're raising, people that you do life with, people that you go to church with. But what do you do when the confrontation is with people that you're not quite as invested in, but you know as a Christian you're called to be a light in the dark world? Well, what do you do with those? Because uh, we, we spend a lot of time on the job. Some of us spend a lot of time sitting next to somebody or working next to somebody that we spend 8, 9, 10, 11, 
12 hours a day with. What do we do with that when God has called us to be light and to be generous and to love our neighbors? It's wonderful. I mean, it's already a stretch to love your neighbors when we're all in church together, much less somebody that has a whole different set of value systems about them. What do I do with those? Anyway, I answered the guy's question realistically. I said, yeah, I've had a few jobs over my life. Uh, I started out when I was 11 years old, and, and I learned something from every job. And here they were. When I was 11, I bought a lawnmower for $5, and I started mowing yards. And, and I learned that jobs, if they don't come to me, I have to go to them. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for a job, they're not always going to come knocking on your door. When I was 14, I got a job in a grocery store. I worked there for four years, and uh, I learned how to do a good job because by the time I was 16, I was the night manager, and I was depositing at 16 years old every single night $10,000 in cash to the bank. I mean, no, that's a lot of responsibility for a 16. I think those owners were missing a few marbles or something to allow me to do that. But I learned, I learned this, is that you can get promoted and you're never too young to succeed, and you're never too young to give the job your best. Come on, am I right? Right? And, and then at 17, I got a job on the loading docks, which was a second job. I was still working at the grocery store. I was 17 years old, and I would work at the store from 2 o'clock to 10 o'clock every day. And then a buddy of mine that worked with me would drive me to the loading docks, and we would work on the loading docks from 11 o'clock to 7 o'clock, and then he would drive me to school, and I would go to school from 8.30 to 1, and I had a work pass. And here's what I learned with my second job. I learned somewhere in there you have to sleep. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And then at 18 years old, I got a job fueling airplanes, and I learned how to race tank trucks down the runway in the middle of the night. And that was a lot of fun. Too bad they didn't pay more. I'd still be doing that, I want you to know. And then at 18 and 19, I uh, helped open a gym and managed a Gold's Gym. And then as I turned 19, I got into ministry and was doing ministry for the first two years, full-time ministry and full-time construction all at the same time. But what do you do with relationships at work when they're bad? What do you do when Sunday's over and you're dreading, I got to go back and see Fred again at work? I got to go back and work by that person again at work. And you have a toxic work relationship. And jobs are hard to come by. So it's not like we can just quit. We have responsibilities. We have bills. We have food to buy. We, we, we have a roof to provide. We're raising kids. What do we do in toxic work environments? Well, there's a guy in the Bible that had perhaps the most toxic work environment that you could ever imagine, and his name was David. And, and many of us know David as the guy that killed Goliath or David the guy that had an affair with Bathsheba, but let's look at David and his work environment and see if you can't relate to some of this. First Samuel chapter number 18, here's what it says. Whatever mission Saul, which is his boss... Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. 
And then as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. It kind of reminds me of what happens at my house with my wife when I come home from work. She's dancing, playing the guitar, happy I'm home. Don't the rest of you guys have that? Come on now. And so Saul was very angry at this. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? Saul's jealous now. And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. It goes on just a little bit further. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing. Now, you've got to understand, David's job right now is just to provide live worship music in the palace. Like, that's a good gig. You know, he's just playing the lot. He's playing the harp and singing songs, keeping Saul calm. He's setting the mood and the atmosphere, and, and as he usually did. And Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but he had departed from Saul. And uh, so he sent David away from him and gave him a command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success. Watch this. Because the Lord was with him. How many have to agree? That's a pretty tough work environment. I mean, I know you got it bad, but I don't think, I mean, I could be wrong. I, I haven't been out in the work world in quite a long time. I mean, I don't think anybody's had any spears thrown at them this week. I, I don't think so. I mean, I could be wrong. But what I want to do is I want to give you some reminders that will help you in any environment. And it doesn't have to be the work environment. It can just be any toxic environment maybe that you're in. Especially when you feel like you're being mistreated. Especially when you feel like being defensive. Um, and so I want to give you some things because the reality is we can't change the boss. We can't change the coworker. Matter of fact, here's something I've learned. We can't change anybody. The only person we can work on is ourselves. And so when, when there is conflict at work or when there is conflict in our life, here's a few things. This particularly pertains to work. But let me give you a few things today to remember when it's a toxic work environment. Number one is that for us as Christians, number one, appreciation shouldn't be expected. I didn't think I'd get any amens on that, and I was totally right. I tried to rewrite that a hundred times to get you all excited. Because some of us are looking for our needs to be fulfilled, and we mistakenly think that what we do is who we are. And when what we do doesn't get, doesn't get appreciated, then all of a sudden we don't feel like we have any value. But how many know that you're greater than the thing that you do? Come on, somebody, right? And it is not necessarily where we should be going to look for appreciation. It would be great if you get it, but appreciation comes from a certain level of relationship. Appreciation comes from friendships. And if you go to work expecting to be built up, you have to remember that you are not there to get, you are there to give. Come on, somebody, right? 
And, and if you expect appreciation, here's one thing I've learned. Expectation will always lead to frustration. I expect my wife, I expect my boss, I expect my friend, I expect my pastor. And if you have an expectation on them, it could be unrealistic based on who they are. And you're trying to get something from a person or a position that might, you may have only been designed to get from God. Come on, everybody. Are you with me today? See, your boss and your company isn't there. This is going to sound tough. But they aren't there to fill your need for affirmation. And, and, and so I'm, I'm asking you, don't go to work needing to be affirmed and needing to be validated as a person. Because your job, again, is not who you are. You're bigger. They see one little sliver. You, you, do, you build one little part. You, you produce one little thing. And that's what they see you for. But aren't you glad that you're bigger than what you're doing for those eight hours a day? Come on now. Right? Now, stop waiting for your boss. Stop waiting for your coach. Stop waiting for your teacher to affirm you. I know they should, and I know it'd be wonderful if they did. But what you got to do is remember what the president of the universe thinks about you. What you have to do is remember what the CEO of the world thinks about you, and he thinks that you are the apple of his eye. Come on. That's where you got to go. And by the way, if you can't get love at work and, and you can't get love at home and you can't get affirmation in all these places, buy a dog. All right, everybody? <laughs> Notice I didn't say a cat. No, I rebuke that. All right, I'm just saying. But, I mean, dogs are always happy when you come home, right, everyone? I'm just kidding. But stop being hurt because your boss didn't thank you. Stop being hurt because they didn't validate you for what they hired you to do. You didn't get a thank you, but you should have gotten a paycheck. Yeah. And last thing I knew, thank yous don't pay the bills. Come on, somebody, right? right. I, I was working. I, I'm, when I first moved to Michigan, I took a job in construction uh, with a mason company, masonry company. And, and I had lived in California, and I had lived in the South. I moved up to uh, Michigan, and the only way that we could get married, because I wasn't making any money in ministry, I was making $50 a week, and that wouldn't support us. So I went out, and I got a job doing construction in Michigan, and I'd never even seen snow, everybody. And, and my first winter there, I was working, and, and one day it was 35 below zero. How many know when you're a southern boy, you, you, you just like, it's like, I'm, this is hell to me. I, I don't even know how else to say. It was the work. And I was there to build scaffolding, drive tractor, and it was cold. And it was that day. It was so cold, everybody was grumpy. And I didn't feel good. I was at the work, and I had a fever that day. I, I had a cold that day. And all the guys were complaining about everything. And all of a sudden, the, the boss showed up on the job. And, and, and he made a comment to me, something that he wasn't happy about, and, um, and, and, and I got mad, and I kind of got defensive and upset, and I said, look, I'm working here, everybody else called in, I'm here doing two people's job with a cold and a fever, you ought to be thankful that I'm here. And he looked at me without even missing a beat, he said, that's not my problem, got in his truck and left. <laughs> so I chased his truck down, no, I didn't do that really, all right. And I didn't get it then. And I mean, you want to talk about somebody that had their feelings hurt? I mean, the rest of the day, in my mind, I told him off. 
Don't act like you've never done this. How many of you have ever done this, right? And I was telling them off. And in fact, I'm a good Christian, so I was telling them off with Bible verses. That's really bad, all right? And so I'm telling them off. And, but, but it wasn't until years later our church grew and I had 18 staff members working for me. And I never understood his statement until years later. You see, he didn't care what I was going through. He cared about getting the job done, meeting the deadlines. He was paying me to do a job. He was not there to coddle me and hold me and warm my blanket and take my temperature. Come on, everybody, right? Now, now imagine, now if you are the boss and you're sitting here and you're listening to this, you should affirm your employees. Because you're a Christian, and you represent more than your company. Come on. You represent God. You represent the family of God. Notice how quiet it got? Yeah. Uh, amen when you're getting treated bad. But when you have to treat good, where's the amens, right? Uh, see, let me just tell you something. If you're the boss, there's two ways you keep great employees. And one is through praises. You just praise them. When you can't afford to give them raises. But how many know praises only last so long? Right? Uh, and then it has to be raises. Praises and raises. Number two, here's the second thing. If you're in a toxic work environment, you need to remember that atmosphere cannot be changed to the positive by using the negative. Now, that's a long way of saying it, but the sentence starts with A, and that's just the way it's going to go today, all right? This is the long way of saying you have to show up positive. You can't let what's in there get in here. Okay, let me say it another way that you might understand. Stop complaining about the very job that somebody else would love to have. Mm -hmm. Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 14 says it this way. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. So now you can be mad at God instead of me. Imagine this. David never complained. Dude has spears whizzing. Can you imagine him going to HR? Uh, yes, uh, I'm here to file a complaint. Yeah, what's the complaint? Well, I was sitting there playing my guitar. I was singing one of my favorite songs. He's a good, good father. I mean, he was just like really into it. And all of a sudden, whoo, wow, a spear went by my face. If I hadn't ducked at the right time, it would have hit me. And, and then he did it again. And so I'm here to file a complaint. Do you know that David, you can read that whole story, David never complained, even when he had to leave the kingdom, even when he knew that the kingdom would one day be his. He, watch this, when he left, he never left trying to gather support about why he was leaving. Oh, I wish more people were like that. I'm never going to try to gather support. I'm never going to try to get some thumbs up on my Facebook account as to why I'm so disappointed with that person, that job, that church, that group. Come on. David just quietly, while he was singing, mind you, just scooted on out the door and said, this place is not for me. Come on now. Right? He never complained about it. And, and on top of all that, imagine him coming home from work and his wife, who happens to be the daughter of Saul. She's part, she has stocks in the company, everybody. She comes home, he comes home. How was your day, dear? Could you just imagine, David? Oh, you won't believe today. Oh, your father. I mean, I'm just playing my guitar, having a good time worshiping God. And can you believe he threw a spear at me? 
Can you imagine him? He doesn't say, he, he doesn't say one thing. He just quietly leaves. I was going through a season in my life where it was a tough time, and, and I got in a terribly bad habit. And I would come home from the office, and Patty would say, hey, how was your day? And, and, and I got in this bad habit of sometimes I'd say, oh, it was a good day. And I could tell that the atmosphere in the house would be a certain way when I'd say it's a good day. And there's other times I'd come home from work. She'd say, hey, how was your day? I said, man, it was just, it, honestly, it was a rotten day. It was a tough day. And I could tell the atmosphere in the house was a little bit different. And we had a conversation about this, and this has been years ago. And, 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 and we determined a long time ago, how about let's stop saying there's good days and bad days. How about let's just agree that there's only days that are filled with God's grace. And if the truth be told, there are bad things in good days and there are good things in bad days. And every day is the day that the Lord has made. And I should rejoice and be glad in it. Come on now, right? And that's what David did. He just kept on singing. And while he was singing, watch this, he changed his environment. He changed his environment. And, and this is just a thought, okay? I, I know you're looking at me like, oh, you don't know how it is to have a real job. But maybe we shouldn't curse the very job that is the blessing or the answer to prayer or the very thing that is paying the bills and buying your house and putting food on the table and sending your kids to school. Maybe we shouldn't bite the hand that is feeding us. Can I get an amen on that at least? See, David didn't complain about Goliath. Have you ever read this story? He never complained. Oh, yeah, that raggedy, raggedy. He never complained about him. He just went out there, picked up some rocks, and took care of the problem. Come on now. He, he just went out, and he changed the situation. Everyone was huddled up in the office complaining that Goliath was so big that they'll never take him out. David said he's so big I can't help but hit the guy. Come on, right? <laughs> I mean, you will never be built up or make anything better by complaining. Did somebody say, say that again? Was that you? Okay, I'm going to say it again because I don't think everybody else heard it. All right? You will never be built up or you will never make anything better by complaining. You will make things better by having enough concern to go down to the brook and grab some rocks to make a change in the atmosphere that you're in. Come on, everybody, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Number three. The third thing to do in a toxic work environment is remember that achievements bring glory to God. It's achievements. It's doing a good job. It, it, it's what we used to call and then some. Do your job and then some. Mm -hmm. uh, well, let me give you this in Scripture, too, so it goes down a little bit easier. Colossians says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Whatever you do. If you're a plumber, if you're a contractor, if you're a CEO, if you're an accountant, if you're a salesperson, whatever you do, if you're married, whatever you do, if you're raising kids, whatever you do, if you're a volunteer at the church, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Mm -hmm. As working for the Lord, there's the key. I'm not working for that manager. I'm not working for that boss that's a jerk. I'm working as unto the Lord. And if we can keep that in perspective, come on. If we keep that in perspective, it changes everything. Working for the Lord, not 
for men. Okay, let me give you one more. Ecclesiastes says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And you're like, I like that verse. My hand wants to choke him, and I want to do it with all of my might, right? <laughs> Here's the truth, though. Christians, listen to this. You give your testimony not only by what you say, but by what you do. So my question is, what kind of light or what kind of testimony are you giving when you're on the job site? Uh, do you come in late? Do you leave early? Do you use office supplies for personal needs? Are you on social media? And, and, and while you're doing all that, witness and talk about Jesus while you're on the clock? Now, Christians are like, what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that? I, I, I told a guy this, and he said, and, and here's what he said. And this was a typical Christian response. Excuse me, Christians, I might offend somebody. He, I, I said, well, you need to quit on the clock wasting your boss's time witnessing to everybody and trying to get somebody saved because that's not your purpose there. You've been brought in for something else. On your break, on other things, do that. But the problem is, is you're not making the gospel, you're not making Jesus uh, look like something that anybody wants because now the boss is mad at you because you're wasting his money. And he said, well, I will not be muzzled. And I'm like, bro, come on, serious? Stop talking about Jesus on the boss's time. Talk about Jesus on your time. Now, if the opportunity presents itself and you're not in a toxic environment, that's a whole different story. But when you're in a toxic relationship working for somebody that's not a believer, come on, the last thing you want to do is push them farther away by forcing your opinion, come on, on them. Some of you will be all right with that. See, don't show Jesus in what you say. Show Jesus in how you work. Come on, everybody. Yeah, do your job, in other words. There's a thought in today's society. Build the fence and paint the fence, too. Quit being offended by everything. Get a job. When someone can give you a job without having to follow you around and give you an attaboy card and cheerlead for you, that's achievement that brings glory and honor to God. When you can do your job and the boss isn't there, when you can do your job and no one is looking. Come on. Isn't that true, right? I don't want to have to follow you around because if I have to follow you around and if I have to keep you motivated and if I have to keep you focused and, and if I have to worry about your feelings and if I have to keep you feeling good, I might as well do the job myself. <laughs> it's not worth it. How many would agree with me? Come on, guys. I'm, guys, no, that's not what I want you to agree. I want you to agree with something else. Men in the room, this is your opportunity to really get some brownie points. How many believe of all the jobs in the world, being a mother must be the toughest job there's ever been? Can I? My, my wife, I always brag on her. She has always been a great mother to our kids. And I, I thought about this story late last night. We were, we were at a, a Mexican restaurant eating with a, a, a guest that had been a guest speaker that Sunday in church. And, uh, and, and so we went to a Mexican restaurant, and they brought our food out. And I couldn't remember, and I didn't get a chance to talk to you. Uh, and they brought our food out. And, and I don't remember. I think the guest was, uh, what's that guy that won the uh, Heisman that played for the Raiders? Uh, 
Napoleon Coughlin. Uh, some of you all remember that name if you're sports. Anyway, he came in. Napoleon Coughlin came in, uh, played for UW, and, and, and gave his testimony in our church. And we took him out. And we were pretty fired up about having him there. And, and, and he was in the middle of a conversation. We're sitting there. They bring out the food. And one of the kids, I don't remember who said it, one of the kids was like a little irritated because they got tacos and they had ordered nachos. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are big first world problems. How many know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> and, and, and so without missing a beat, we didn't want to interrupt our guests. We wanted to keep it all civil. Patty just quietly reached for the kid's plate, who, whichever one it was, that had tacos and wanted nachos, took her knife and her fork, chopped up the tacos, and said, here's your nachos. <laughs> I was like, I kind of fell in love with her all over again. <laughs> we got home and she said, wasn't that a good day? And I said, you want to make me some tacos? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, right, are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's just, yeah, okay, another, next, number four. Getting a little sidetracked there, sorry, babe. All right, here we go. Number four, when you're in a bad work environment, number four, you have to remember attitude determines altitude. I know it's kind of cliche, and, and this really did happen. Yesterday morning, uh, most, some of you know, every Saturday morning I get up and I cook a big breakfast, and I had cooked my breakfast, I was eating my breakfast, I was almost done with my breakfast, and our little granddaughter, Kenny, uh, if you don't know her, she's four, and she came to see me, and she came up, and she crawled up on my lap, and she's looking at my food. I'm like, what's the matter with your parents? Don't they feed you? Uh, what, what's the matter? And, and so I had one sausage left, and she said, and I said, she's looking at my sausage, you know, with those eyes that, you, you know, she's four. She has those eyes. How, how many know she owns me? How many know this, right? And I said, do you want a bite of this sausage? And she's like, yeah. And so I put her up to the, the counter bar there and gave her my plate, and I started washing dishes. And, and she's, she's eating not one bite of my sausage, all of my sausage <laughs> She's eating all of it. I already just, okay. And, and then I said, hey, when you're done with that, you want to help Hop Hop? You want to help me wash dishes? And she was like, oh, yeah. So I went and got the stool, and we started washing up morning uh, breakfast dishes. We're the only two there in the kitchen, and we're having a blast. We're rinsing dishes. Water's going everywhere. She's cracking up. She's laughing. I'm squeezing bubbles between her fingers, and she's just having to go to her. And she said, oh, this is so much fun, Pop Pop. And I said, yeah, this is a lot of fun, isn't it? I said, do you love washing dishes? She said, I love washing dishes. I said, do you really love washing dishes? She said, I love washing dishes. I said, this is really fun, but you don't want to do it for a living. And that's what I said to her, like she was 40. Now, if you do that, there's nothing wrong with that. I just want her to be able to do more. And when I said you don't want to do it for a living, she just rolled. She laughed. She cracked up. She's laughing. No kidding. She said this word for word. She's laughing. Ah, Papa, you're so funny. Ah, don't do it for a living. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> But she had a good attitude. We were having fun doing a chore that some of us fight about. Come on, right? Uh, here's what I want to say to you. Please don't let your environment, your toxic environment, get inside of you. Mm. A ship, I know this. I'm not a fisherman, and some of you are. I do know this. A ship can sail on the water. A ship can sail through the water. 
But if you let that water get on the ship or in the ship, that ship will sink. It was made to be on top of it. It was made to go through it. But it wasn't made to carry it. And if you allow the outside to get on the inside, you will be overtaken. Your good ship lollipop's going down too, right? And, and, and I want you to keep this in mind with that. Adam and Eve have been given a job in the garden. And their job was to contribute to the garden, to have dominion, to rule over it. They were to contribute. When they shifted from contributing to the garden to consuming in the garden, that's when everything went wrong. Now let me say this, and I hope you'll get the metaphor. On the job, we are there to contribute to the job, not consume from the job. And I'm talking about relational, and I'm talking about the job we do. When we're there to get more than a paycheck, if you get more than a paycheck, thank God. But when we are there to only consume, to only be built up, to only fill our needs, to only make us feel good, then what happens is we shift to trying to consume from something that we've been assigned to contribute to. Let me give you an example out of my life because you usually like it better. I, I come here every Sunday to minister to. I come here every Sunday to, to contribute to, to give you something. I never show up on this platform to take something from you. And if that ever gets reversed, come on, then the health and the life-giving and the rhythm will be all messed up. Now, hold on. Now, there is a pl I do need to consume, but I need to know where to go to consume. So I don't go to my job to consume. Come on now. I go to my job to contribute. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying today, right? Let me do one more, and I'll let you be on your way. Number five, number five is I want you to remember that adversarial situations bring out God's best in you. Maybe, just maybe, I don't know if it's time for a job change. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure all that out for you. But just maybe God of the universe is big enough to have you right where you are because it's more than your job and it's more than your paycheck. Maybe he's using the people that are on your nerves to rub off the rough edges in your life and bring out the best part of who you are. Mm -hmm. And in his mercy, it's not, in his mercy, he's not allowing your spouse to be that one. He's allowing some guy that you can clock out and leave to be that one. Come on now, right? Right? And so I, I heard a, a fisherman say this. He, he said, smooth seas don't make skilled sailors. That's good right there. I think the person that told me that's sitting in the room, so thank you very much. There's things I've been through, there's things you've been through that we, we wish we wouldn't have gone through. When I think about my childhood, I think about different environments that I lived in. Um, I was born here in Bellingham, never really lived here. Ended up in California, lived all over the Oakland, Concord, West Pittsburgh, San Francisco, all that area. Moved around a ton of times. Um, and, and lived in some pretty tough neighborhoods. We, we lived in a cul-de-sac that had uh, all the Hell's Angels lived there. And the, so there was always parties. And, and they all liked me. And so I could go up to their motorcycles and I could hang out with them. And, you know, I'm eight and nine years old and I'm high-fiving Hell's Angels and I think I'm really cool. And, and then one night in the middle of the night, I get moved. And I, I moved to Chicago 
with my little seashell beads and my California surfing, what's up, dude, t-shirts, and, and I go to Chicago, and I live in the city, and I live in a gang-infested part of the city. I live in a high-rise where I had to take an elevator up to my house and share a hallway with people, and it was a whole nother environment. And then I flew back and forth every summer to Louisiana. My mom's side of the family is Cajun, and if you've ever been there, that's a whole nother planet. I mean, those people need Jesus. I mean, it's a whole nother world. They speak half English, half broken Creole, half French. I mean, it is just a whole nother world. Then I moved to Nashville, and everybody had cowboy boots and, and, and cowboy hats, and I'm, I'm rocking out with the BG silk shirts. Come on, everybody, right? <laughs> And then I moved from there and made friends with my hillbilly friends in Mississippi. And, and if I was to tell you back then, I hated it all. I hated it all. Just leave me alone. Let me stay in one place. Let me grow some roots. I hate being the new kid at school. I hate being the new kid. I hate what's cool in one place is not cool in the other place. I hate having to adjust. I hate having to learn that it's cool to have tank tops and seashells and long hair in, in Chicago and be made fun of and have to swap all of who I identified as to be something else. I hated it all. But smooth seas don't make skilled sailors. I hated it. But adversarial situations might bring out God's best in you. See, what the devil meant for bad, I didn't know. God said, I'm going to use that. You can't see it while you're in it, but I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that for you to go into ministry. And you can talk to one person that is one style and talk to another person that's another style. And you can adopt to, and not only adopt, but you can relate to people on the wealthy side of the fence and people on the poor side of the fence. People with white skin and people with black skin and all the in-between skin. I'm going to use what the devil meant for bad. These storms that you're in, these adversarial situations, uh, I promise you, if you'll trust me, I'll bring the best out of that in your life. Come on, everybody, right? And here's one thing I know. You become more creative in bad situations. You become more creative when there's not enough money. You become more creative. And, and by the way, have you ever thought about this? Problems are job security. Sometimes in church, I was complaining about church. This was back when I almost left ministry. And, and, and I was complaining one day. It's like, man, there's always a crisis. And there's always a problem. There's always a fire. I mean, there's not a day that goes by where it's not like, oh, there's an emergency, there's a crisis, so-and-so just filed bankruptcy, so-and-so just died, so-and-so just filed for divorce. There's always a crisis. And then I thought, yeah, but that's, that's what I prayed when I wanted to be in ministry, God, that you would use me. And guess what? God is using me, and then I'm complaining about him answering the prayer that I prayed. Come on now. The Bible says this, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. And then it, and it says what? To, to bring liberty to the captive, bring sight to the blind. What is he doing? He's solving problems. You were uniquely created to solve a problem that the world has. And you will never know why you were designed until you come face to face 
and confront the conflict that you don't want to confront. Mm. Here's what I'll close with. There are people who wished they had the problems you have. There are people that wished they had to mow a yard today after church. There are people that wished they had to put new shingles on a roof of a house that they are buying. There are people that wished. Come on now. And um, see, you don't need power for nothing. You need power to let God's creative anointing in your life to confront the conflict. And remember this. Have you found this out? Every blessing comes with a burden. Every blessing comes with a burden. And if you're looking to be burden-free and conflict-free, you might get that, but you won't have anything else either. Right, everybody? A good marriage is worth fighting for. Peace of mind is worth fighting for. Godly kids are worth fighting for. Living for God is worth fighting for. Am I, am I, am I talking to anybody today? Right, everybody? So those are some things. We'll continue this next week. Will you receive that one today, everybody? I'm going to end right there. All right.